You're listening to a sermon from Church of Christ at Treaty. For more resources, check out cctreaty.org. So today's message, if you're a note taker, it's stages of discipleship. We got about one more week and then we're gonna get really practical. This is gonna feel a little bit academic. And some of these mess- some of these ideas today, you're gonna say, oh man, he's talking to me. And other times you're gonna be like, oh, that's not me. Um, and that's intentional. And today, as we continue on this journey of discipleship, we're gonna explore the different stages of that journey. That when somebody becomes a disciple of Jesus, they're born again into God's family. They'll be known as what the Bible calls a child of God for the rest of their lives. And even though God always will be their father and they will always be his child, God has created us and designed us as his children to move in a progression through these different stages of growth. I say this a lot. Retirement is not biblical. Spiritual retirement is not biblical. You don't reach a point where you stop giving, stop serving, stop growing. It doesn't happen. As soon as you stop growing, you're dying. And so I like the way, and I've used a lot of this resource, Jim Putman and Bobby Harrington wrote a book called Discipleship, and they define five different stages of growth in the discipleship journey. And so I want to borrow this model and help us to understand how we as followers of Jesus are supposed to keep growing and then to help other people grow. And so uh, uh, they describe and suggest that there are five stages if you wanna write these down. Um, Every single one of us is in one of these stages. And, And some of us may think we're in a stage that we're not in, and so that's why today I wanna help us look at these and, and I want to encourage you, and I, my prayer isn't that you just say, oh, yeah, I'm here, and oh, that's great, I'm here. I want you to really ask God, where am I? And then I want you to ask God, how can I be more uh, along the way on the discipleship journey? They suggest that he, these are the five stages of our spiritual journey in discipleship. The first one is that you start off spiritually dead. The first stage is you're spiritually dead. There's no life. You're lifeless. Uh, Then he says you become a spiritual infant. After you become an infant, you become a spiritual child. After a spiritual child, a young adult. And then after a young adult, a parent. See, discipleship is a process that works through stages. It seems strange maybe to categorize people in different stages, levels, but it's necessary for us to grow, for us to know where we are Uh, We have to know where we are in order to know where we want to go. And it's really, really important. We need to keep in mind that there is a big difference, because I know some of you are going to be like, well, we're not supposed to judge each other, right? But there is a big difference between judging someone and then assessing their spiritual development. We have all biblical precedents to examine ourselves and other people to help disciple and, and navigate where they are on the journey. It's different than judging. When we judge them, we're issuing a verdict, and we're saying, well, this is where you are and we're condemning them, but instead of condemning them, we wanna see where they're at and help them move out of that and assess how they can get to the next part of their journey. Jesus made it clear, they'll know uh, the tree by its fruit, and out of the overflow, God says, out of the overflow of our heart, our mouth speaks. So in other words, we can tell where a person is along the way by paying attention to what they say and by paying attention to what they do. That's not judgment. We can listen to how people talk and we can watch how people act and we can assess whether they are spiritually dead, spiritually infant, child, young adult, or a parent. And that's okay thing. These things reveal where we are on the road to maturity and it's important and helpful for us to do it. So our goal is not to label each other or to label ourselves, but to help ourselves grow and to understand that we need to grow. 
And as we look at the 12 disciples in scripture, we see them on different parts of the journey and different parts of spiritual maturity. But Jesus picked them. Jesus called them all, asked them to follow him, spent time with them, discipled them, helped them grow to become more and more like what he wanted for them. And so we get to go on that journey as well. So let's turn our attention to these five stages and let's break down each one of them. And I want you, if, you're, if you are taking notes, even if you're not, maybe make a note on your phone or mentally, make a note of which stage are you in. That's our kind of our goal for today. And as we look at them, understand that it's not just a straight line, right? We might see it as like, well, I was dead, now I'm an infant. And then, I mean, it, it doesn't always go like this. Sometimes it kind of goes I mean, any of us been on the journey longer than five years, you know that, right? You have seasons where you feel like, man, it's just clicking and I'm, I'm really far along. And then there are seasons where you're struggling and you're having a really hard time. And so let's be honest with ourselves and let's evaluate where we are. When a person becomes a Christian, they stand justified in Christ. Their position is immediately saved. When we, when we become a believer, when we confess him, when we're baptized, when we... Uh, confess our sins and we repent of those sins, we are saved. We have moved what we say in the Bible from what? Death to life. That's why I love the word life. I love saying we exist to bring people into life and deeper life. We don't want you just to stay alive. We want you to be full of abundant life. And when we're saved by Jesus, we move from death to life. And so all of these stages from infant on are people who are saved. So I wanna be super clear about that. The only one of these stages that is really, really dangerous, is dead, right? And if we're not alive, we're dead. And so the spiritually dead are our concern. That's our mission. That's who Jesus came to seek and save, those who were dead. But if we are either infant, children, young adults, or parents, that doesn't make us more saved. Does that make sense? It's not that a child is more saved than an infant. They're saved. They're just maybe not quite as far along on the journey. And so when we become Christians, God gives us this new identity as saved disciples, and it's our responsibility and our goal to grow, to be more and more like Jesus. So starting with spiritual stage one, spiritually dead. I'm going to say, read lots of passages. I'll try to go slow, but if you want to write down the references, Romans 6.23, we see the Bible declare and define what it means to be spiritually dead. When Paul tells us that the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. He draws a line that what we've earned, what we deserve is death. We're spiritually dead on our own, but the gift that God gives us is life in Christ. Paul says in Ephesians chapter two, verses one through three, as for you, you were dead in your transgressions and your sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of the world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient, all of us who lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and its thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. What's Paul doing? He's describing what it's like to be slaved and enslaved to death. People who haven't been Christians, who haven't become Christians, disciples of Jesus, they're lost and they're spiritually dead. Two words that I would use to describe these people who are spiritually dead. One is unbelief. They don't believe. They haven't believed in Jesus and they're rebellious. 
So we see unbelief and rebellion. We talk about what can we see. When we see people who don't believe and people who are rebellious against God, they are in that stage. They're spiritually dead. And because they're spiritually dead, listen, church, it shouldn't surprise us that they do spiritually dead things. Amen? Like, that should not surprise us. When we see people that act dead, it's because they're dead. People that are unbelief, they don't believe. People that rebel are rebelling. And so lost people do lost people things. They have unbelief, rebellion, and they reject God's will. Here are some things we may encounter with people that are in this stage. Um, people who shake their fists at God, right? We know people like this, uh, and they're angry with God over some sort of hurt or some sort of injustice, and they just see God, and they're angry. Others uh, of these people might show some spiritual interest, and others will show none at all. And we know there's a lot of people like that. And again, we shouldn't be surprised or even put off by their worldliness, by their lack of morality. Remember, they're dead. We can't expect them to act alive because they're not. If we listen to people in this stage, here are some things you might hear. Something like, I don't believe in God. Oh, the Bible, that's just a bunch of myths. That's just a fairy tale. They may say something like this. Well, I've been a good person. I'm doing some good things. So when I die, I think I'll be okay. So I'm just going to take my chances with the big man upstairs, right? I mean, you've heard people talk like that. I, th I think I've done more good than bad. I think I'm going to be all right, spiritually dead. You'll hear people in our world today say, I don't believe in absolute truth. I don't believe there's a right and a wrong. I think whatever works for you is good. If it might be wrong for you, it might not be wrong for me, spiritually dead. Listening to these kinds of things helps us to understand the stage that a person's in. We're not judging them. We're not condemning them. We expect them to act that way. But it teaches us and it helps us to know that we need to pray for them. We need to minister to them. And the key thing for us with people like this is we need to understand that they don't have the life of Jesus inside of them. They don't have the faith of Christ as their Savior and their Lord. So what do these people need? They need us to love them. They need us to reach out to them. They need us to be their friends. And so how many friends do you have that are spiritually dead? They're, <laughs> it's not funny, but like they're dying to have friends, right? Like they're dying to feel connected. They're dying for people to show up in their lives and to be consistent. They need to be introduced to Jesus. They need to know the good news of Jesus. What was interesting about the event that we just held was when Trevor was beatboxing and when he was doing his skate tricks, they all stood around him and circled him and he started talking about Jesus and they walked away. And let, guess what though? They were still at the skate park and they still heard it, right? Because I'm telling you, people are tired of being told they're ready to be shown. They're ready for people to show up and live it out and to be consistent in their lives. And that's what they need. They need to be introduced by people like us who love them. They need answers to their questions. They have questions about God and they need someone to give them the answers. They need to know more about the Bible and Christianity. John 3, verses 3 and 5, Jesus says this, Very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they're born again. And we remember this story. He says, how can somebody be born when they're old, Nicodemus says. Surely they can't enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. And Jesus answers, very truly, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and of spirit. 
Dead people do dead people things. Lost people do lost people things. But listen, found people should find people. And we should be baptizing and teaching and showing and being present and going. And wherever we are, around people in the spiritually dead category, we need to be showing them the love of Christ. The second spiritual stage is the spiritual infant. Um, Scripture would use the image of infants for the earliest stages of discipleship. In 1 Peter 2, we see he describes it like this in verses 2 and 3. He says, like newborn babies, they crave spiritual milk, pure spiritual milk, so that by it you may grow up in your salvation now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. Right? We don't have a child and feed him a steak, right? Once we've tasted a steak, we feel bad for them that they can't have a steak, right? Because we're farther along. We're more mature. We can chew on bigger and better things. But Peter, 1 Peter describes that like newborn babies in spiritual infancy, they have pure spiritual milk they need so that they can grow up in salvation. People in this stage are alive. They've made a commitment to Jesus to become one of his disciples, but that might be about where it ends for them. And these people are likely new Christians, but listen, sadly, there are a lot of people who have been baptized years ago, and they haven't even moved out of infancy. Years ago. And they're still spiritually infants. Hebrews says it like this in chapter 5, 12 through 14, in fact, Though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's word all over again. You may need milk, not, or you need milk, not solid food. Anyone who lives on milk, being still an infant, is not acquainted with the teachings about righteousness. But solid food is for the mature, who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. There are people who have been baptized and have never moved out of spiritual infancy, and, and they want to teach, and they want to be leaders, and they want to be, oh, I'm all good. But the truth is, if Hebrews says, you still need to be taught. You just did what you thought was right then, and you haven't grown at all. And I think if some of us evaluate ourselves, that may be some of us. Words that I would use to characterize this category is ignorance, confusion, and dependence. Ignorance, not necessarily in a really bad way, but because spiritual infants don't know a lot about biblical truth. We all know people like this. They kind of go with whatever they hear, whatever the preacher, that, the last preacher they listened to, or the last Bible thing they heard, that's sort of how they wave around. They're confused. They don't know how to replace the old ways of thinking with the new way of doing things God's way. And so they've gotten saved or they've done what they're supposed to do to start a relationship with Jesus, but they don't really know how to replace their old thoughts with new thoughts and their old activities with new activities. And dependence because they can't accomplish growth because no one's walking with them. Like, can you imagine if we just had babies at a hospital and then just sat them out and said, good luck, right? They need nurtured. They need fed. They need changed. They need held. They need walked with. They need trained. Babies are messy, loud, and they need a lot of attention, and so are a lot of us. Messy and loud, and we need a whole lot of attention. They might say things like, well, I didn't know that was in the Bible. You've probably heard people say that before. Or they might say, I need somebody to teach me and take care of me and, and don't leave me on my own. Uh, maybe they'd say, you know, well, I got baptized last week, but I'm still getting tempted. 
You ever heard anybody say that? Like, I thought I was going to stop being tempted. I got baptized, and I'm still tempted. What's going on? The key thing is that we have to understand that they still have a lot to learn about what it means to follow Jesus. They need someone to care for them, to feed them spiritually so they can grow and thrive. They need to learn eventually how to feed themselves, but at this point, they don't know how. They need a person to to give them attention, a spiritual brother or sister or a parent. They need protection and guidance during vulnerable stages of discipleship. They need truths of the faith to be taught and modeled for them. They need new habits, new patterns, and, and they need people to show them ways to live as a disciple of Jesus. As we're listening to that, maybe some people come to your mind, maybe that's you. For us, we've got to get involved with these people. We've got to be finding the spiritual infants, and when they need help, we need to hold them. When they need fed, we need to help feed them. We need to show them eventually how to do it themselves. Stage three, spiritual child. 1 John 2, he says, I'm writing to you, dear children. We see the language of a child because your sins have been forgiven on account of his name, Jesus. So we see the description of a child, 1 Thessalonians 2. Paul says to the church in Thessalonica, for you know that we dealt with each of you just as a father deals with his own children, encouraging, comforting, and urging you to live lives worthy of God who calls you into his kingdom. Spiritual children are growing in their relationship with Jesus. They're growing with other Christians. They're beginning to apply God's word to their lives. And even though they're growing, much of their life still revolves around them. Amen? For those of us that have children, I mean, we see like one day we're like, yeah, you're going to be something great. And then all of a sudden the selfishness comes back, right? It's like the world revolves around them. There's still a lot of that. Their needs, their desires, their needs, their desires, their interests. A person at this spiritual stage, it might be a new Christian. Maybe they've been a Christian for a while, but they're just stuck being a child. Some people just never grow up, right? You know some adults that act like children, maybe? Uh, Maybe you have a preacher that's kind of like that. Um, It's not about time. When we're talking about discipleship, sometimes we think, well, you've been a Christian for 20 years. It's not about time. It's about being mature. It's, it's, it's not about what has happened or not happened in this process. It's about how much that person has grown and cooperated with God's spirit and growing and shaping them in the image of Jesus. Spiritual children, we think about things that are typical of normal children, not spiritually, but physically. They can do a lot of things for themselves, but they still need their parents. There's a lot they can do on their own, but they still need their parents. Um, they're unaware Some of them are completely unaware that they're self-centered. They're focused on their own needs. They don't really have much regard for other people. They can be overconfident and prideful, maybe insecure and self-loathing. Children crave affirmation. They crave approval, and they'll usually do the right things for a reward, right? They'll do the right thing for a reward, but they don't usually do it because it's expected. And oftentimes, they'll do it only if the benefits outweigh the cost. They often think about concrete, black and white things. Spiritual children are are likely to think about spiritual things in rigid ways. We would expect them to say things like this. uh, I don't really want that class to break up because then I won't get to be with all my friends. You heard stuff like that before? Well, I don't want to leave class. I don't want to move up to the next class. All my friends are in that class. Or you might hear them say things like, no one ever says hi to me at church. I don't have any friends at church. 
Or you might hear a spiritual child say, well, I used to help, but they didn't recognize me. No one seemed to appreciate what I was doing, so I just quit helping. That's what spiritual child stage sort of looks like. What are their needs? They need to be connected to more disciples who are more mature so they can continue to grow. They need to learn to trust God and to walk with him. And as they grow, they need to learn to do the right things just because they're the right things. And they need to have a heart for discipleship. Young adults, spiritual stage number four. 1 John 2, also later, he says, I'm writing to you fathers in verse 13. Because you know him who is from the beginning, I'm writing to you, young men, because you have overcome the evil one. I write to you, dear children, because you know the Father. I write to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. I write to you, young men, because you are strong, and the word of God lives in you, and you have overcome the evil one. John says it like this when it comes to spiritual young adults. He says, you have overcome the evil one. And the word of God abides in them, he says. Spiritual young adults make this shift from being self-centered to being God-centered and other-centered. Listen, you know who these people are because it's not about themselves. It's about the good of other people. It's about the people who will do something they don't like because it reaches people that they do like, right? Can we get an amen on that? We'll do something that we don't necessarily love because we love the people that it's for. That's what it looks like when we're, being, when we're in that stage of spiritual young adults. These people are involved in ministering to other people, putting their needs first, being people that do what the word says. They don't just know it and believe it, they do what it says. They've learned to serve, and even when people fail them, they continue to serve. These are the people that, that sign up to serve, and the partner doesn't show up, and they don't give up. They just keep doing it because they know that even though people fail them, Jesus won't. And they're becoming more and more mature in their faith, learning to focus on what their gifts are, what their passions are, and how does that fit in to the kingdom of God? It's not about me, it's about we. What can I do to serve the kingdom? Spiritual young adults will say things like this. In my devotional time this week, I found something really awesome. You probably have friends like that. Every time you talk to them, they're like, hey, you gotta hear this. Like I was reading this book, or I was listening to this podcast, or I read this passage of scripture. This is awesome. Like they're, they're, in, they're engaged and excited about it. Or you'll hear them say things like, man, I can't wait for our next missions trip. When can we do mission trips again? Like I can't wait to go back to Mexico. Or, I wanna go to Haiti or Atlanta. I wanna go serve, I'm excited about it. Or they'll say, I have a bunch of friends that I'm witnessing to, but I, I can't bring them to our, our, our small group um, because it's too big. And I think that they'll be afraid. So, hey, Jacob, can we start another group? Because I really wanna reach these kids. Those are spiritual young adults. I want to branch out so that we can reach more people. They're orienting their lives around God and his purposes. So what are these people's needs? They need a ministry where they can learn and where they can serve and where they can lead. I was so encouraged after that event when we came back that it was a bunch of kids that came back to help clean up. It was awesome. And I think I was reminded as I was rereading this and studying that like, we're doing a huge disservice when we don't let young people lead stuff. They're just better at it. They're better at it than we are because they understand, like they're, they're willing to, to go out and be weird and be silly and they're not afraid. And we need to be a little bit more like that where we're orienting ourselves around God's kingdom, but they need opportunities to lead 
They need spiritual mentors like we talked about last week. Men and women who will coach them, who will debrief things with them when they fail or when they have a success that will help walk alongside them. They need people to help them identify what their gifts are. And then they need skills um, to, to have, be trained and taught how to do it. If you have a skill, find a spiritual young adult, show them how to do it, and then go let them do it. You will be blessed and blown away by what they can accomplish. The final stage is five spiritual parents. They clarify that God is the one who gives birth to all of us, and the term spiritual parent doesn't mean that we're done. It means that we are mentoring and we're reproducing. This is what I said last week. We are disciples, making disciples, making disciples, making disciples. Get that in your head. Like if, you, if you're trying to find a place that's gonna tell you you're good enough and you can stop serving, it's not here. Like we, we want disciples, making disciples, making disciples. God's plan for the church includes spiritual parents guiding and training spiritual children. Again, not the age, because there are plenty of adults who are spiritual children. And we are to be training and teaching and growing to, to more spiritual maturity. People making disciples who make and mentor more disciples. 2 Timothy 2, verses 1 and 2. You then, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Jesus Christ. And the things that you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses, entrust that to reliable people who will also be qualified to teach other people. Moms, teach girls how to be godly moms and let them do it. Dads, teach kids to be godly dads and then let them try it and practice it and do it. That's what God called us to. Paul describes multiplication as the ministry, and it takes place as parents mentor other people, and we become spiritual parents to other people. A spiritual parent is anyone who has an understanding of God and his truth and spiritual things. They have a deep relationship with God and a desire to be involved in raising up other disciples. Spiritual parents live out God's word in their lives. They're kingdom-centered. They're God-centered. They're dependent on God. And it's important to clarify that spiritual parents are not perfect. And they're not perfectly mature. There's always room for us to grow and refine our relationship. What marks us as spiritual parents is our intentionality. Be intentional. They're intentional in building relationships with God and with others for the purpose of God's kingdom, not for their own agenda. I'm not raising up my son to mow the yard so that he can serve me. I'm raising up my son to mow the yard so that he can serve someone else. Amen. It's not about me. And at the point where churches stop making disciples, they stop growing and closing. They start closing. When it's all about us and when it's all about what we need and what we want, which is important and we need to be fed and we need to grow and we need to be poured into but it's all so that we can pour in to others and we never stop growing. We might be more seasoned in our discipleship. We can recognize where people are on their journeys. I think each and every one of us knows someone who is spiritually dead. I hope you do. I think we all know people who are spiritual infants that you're just like, how long do I have to hold their hand, Right? Not everybody walks at the same age, right? Not everybody talks at the same time. So just keep feeding them. 
Keep holding their hand. Keep patting them so they burp on you, right? Like, keep changing those nasty diapers. When you're like, man, how many times are you going to go back and do that again, right? We all know spiritual children who, like, they get it and they're starting to get it, but then you see these glimpses of, like, you are so selfish, right? Because they just haven't quite figured it out. And we also know spiritual young adults that just need a parent to be there and to help guide them into adulthood. Spiritual parents need to have relationships with other spiritual parents who are making disciples so that we can have encouragement and accountability. We need to have feedback from other people. We need training to increase being better at ministry and mentoring. We need assistance in learning how to delegate responsibilities. That's hard for some of us. Uh, I heard a leader one time say, if you know someone that can do the same job half as good as you, let them do it. Because it frees you up to do what you can do really well. And the chances are, if they can do it half as good as you, eventually they'll be able to do it better than you. But we don't believe that because we think it's our power and our goodness and our ability. Friends, it all comes from God. If you're good at something, it's because God let you be good at it. And he wants you to train and empower others to be good at it too. So we need to be empowering others and delegate responsibility, taking time to rest. That's a word for somebody. Take a break. Avoid burnout. We need to be celebrated. Spiritual parents want to be celebrated and honored for their ministry and for spiritual parenting. So here's a few things that we need to keep in mind as we're closing our time together. First of all, we need to remember that no stage of discipleship is more important than the other. So as you're reflecting and you're like, I'm an infant. I got baptized seven years ago. I know nothing about God's word. I appreciate that honesty. And we want to walk with you. We want to help feed you. We want to provide opportunities to feed you. Find somebody that can feed you. Find somebody that you, you know knows the word better than you. You're not bad for being an infant, but we don't want you to be an infant forever, and neither does God, right? So take steps. Be intentional. And just because you may be a spiritual young adult, that doesn't make you more saved than the spiritual infant. They're just not as far along on their journey. So go get them and feed them and help them to grow, to be more like Jesus. Um, I'll just be honest with you because I think every single one of us needs to do this. And I told our staff this and we're committed to this. I made a phone call this week to a pastor in uh, Bloomington, uh, Indiana, who used to be the, um, he was the, uh, chaplain for Tom Crean. If you're an Indiana fan, he was at a large church of Christ in Bloomington. And I said, I want you to mentor me. And it was a really, really weird phone call because he's like, what does that mean? I'm like, I don't know. But you did this for 40 years at the same church. And I want to be here for a long time. And I want to reach people for Jesus in Wabash for a long time. And I need help. I need someone that doesn't know you <laughs> that can tell me how to grow and be better. And it was hard. It was weird. And he's, he's like, I'm praying about it. And I'm hoping that God tells him, yeah, let's do this. Because I think it'd be really, really good. And I'm telling you that because I, you may see me as a spiritual parent, but I've still got a lot of room to grow. So wherever you are on the journey, be intentional. Walk out of here today and talk to your family. Say, where am I? And be honest about it. Maybe you are a spiritual parent. That's great. 
then you've got to look back and find some babies. You've got to look back and find some young adults, and you've got to bring them along. And you might say, well, I'm, I'm a spiritual young adult, then find a spiritual parent. Keep in mind that there's somebody that's probably going through the same stage as you are. Maybe it's at a different pace. I don't really think that every husband and wife are exactly the same. Every child is exactly the same. We have to use these stages as not judgment, but an opportunity to evaluate and grow. The stages just remind us that inside each one of us, there needs to be a desire to grow and mature in Christ. That needs to be a priority for us. And so today, I don't have this like really incredible closing where you can accept Jesus. What I want you to do is really, really practical. I want you to do this. I want you to think of these stages and I want you to ask somebody to help you assess where you're at. And then I want you to figure out how you can go back to get somebody and how you can look forward to grow yourself. Last week, I shared that there's three roles that we need to have in our lives. We need to have a Paul who's farther along than us, who's mentoring us. And that's the call I made this week, was to find somebody to intentionally be a Paul to me. We also need Barnabases. Those are the encouragers. That's what that name means. Those are the people that say, man, you're doing a good job. Keep going. Keep going, John. You're doing great. Like, you can do it. I know it wasn't the best you've ever done, but just do it again. I know you fell on your, just get up. Do it again. I'll go with you. Like, you need Barnabas. But then you also need Timothys. Paul had Timothys. Those were younger men in the faith that he said, you know what? I don't think you can teach this as well as me, but I want you to teach it. Like, I don't think you can probably lead that church as well as maybe I could, but I want you to learn, and I want you to try it out, and I want to help you to grow. Over time, we're changed by God's power, and we become more and more like Jesus. How can we make that step today to be more more like Jesus. It starts with us being honest about it, where we are and where we want to be. And if you are spiritually dead, it starts with Jesus on the cross. It starts with belief and confession, accepting him, being baptized into him, and then walking in obedience with him. And that's the journey that we call sanctification, where we're continuing to grow more and more into the image of Jesus. But we need Paul's, we need Barnabas's, and we need Timothy's. And then we need to make an effort to invest in ourselves and invest in others. And so it's my hope that we would grow in our salvation and move through these stages. Um, and I really think that this is the way God wanted the church to function. I really believe that God wanted discipleship to be the model. That's why the Great Commission was the last thing he left his disciples with 12 guys. And he stood on, his, on this cliff overlooking probably city that was about the size of Baltimore, Maryland, a bunch of guys that were fishermen, didn't really have any biblical training, hadn't done anything really, but spent three years with Jesus, made a ton of mistakes, said a lot of really, really dumb things. And Jesus stood there with him and said, I chose you guys to take the gospel to these guys. And we're here because of them. And then often we want to make it the responsibility of a lead minister or worship minister or youth minister to go reach the city. Listen, it is our responsibility to claim this city for Jesus, let's go. Let's go. These pews would be filled up when we, have when we have relationships with spiritually dead people and they see how much we love them. Oh, they'll come. But they're not gonna come to listen to me. They're gonna come because you're coming. They're gonna come because they wanna sit by you because they love you and they care about you because you love Jesus and you love them. 
So we exist to lead people that are here into growing relationships so that those who don't know them will find them, amen? So let's pray, and if you're lost today, we have the answer, his name is Jesus. We want you to follow him. And if you have followed him and you do believe in him, whether you're an infant or a parent, keep growing and keep bringing people with you.